welcome back to episode 130 of the Draft FC podcast. Welcome back to the Draft FC podcast, the podcast and website dedicated to all things official Draft FPL. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for another installment in our Road to Draft Day series 2023. And in this episode, we're going to be having a focus on a few of the teams entering the 2023-24 season with new management. So that means on the agenda today, we have got Pochettino at Chelsea, Ange Postacoglu at Spurs, and Andoni Ariola at Bournemouth. So a very familiar name there, as well as a couple of maybe less familiar names. Let's get right into it. So let's start with Maurizio Pochettino at Chelsea. I don't really need to give Pochettino a major introduction. Um, came through his managerial career at Espanyol, then jumped over to Southampton, then to Spurs, PSG, and now finds himself at Chelsea. Possession-based football, build up from the back, but not afraid to spread it to keep opposition honest and a quick press to win the ball back quickly. Though he has developed this idea to be much more pragmatic as time goes on, this isn't used quite as universally as it was in his earlier days. So let's get into that style in particular. Tends to be a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. At Spurs, he would be able to dip in and out of a back three as well, but I'm not sure quite how well that will work with the current personnel at Chelsea. Width comes from the fullbacks. Now, Reese James and Ben Chilwell are as good a fullback pairing as Pochettino will have worked with, and there should be no reason they're not able to have big seasons, providing that they can remain fit. It does have to be said, though, that neither of them have been able to reliably make 30-plus Premier League appearances uh, in a single campaign, and that does worry me as a draft manager. Likes to get attackers close to his central striker, tends to play with one central striker, to allow easy link-up play between the most dangerous players on the pitch. Another big feature, which isn't necessarily a stylistic point, but I'll include nevertheless, is his prowess with developing youth talent. So something that doesn't really gel with the ethos he'd have found at PSG at all. But at Chelsea, there are a host of options he could pull out of relative obscurity to become Premier League elite. I'm thinking of the likes of Levi Colwell, Chuck Wameka, Lewis Hall, um, even Medeki and Mudrik. You could put their names in there, would seem an obvious list. The Chelsea hierarchy will have to be on board to this to some degree, as aside from the fact that those players are young, there is also a hell of a lot of investment that's already gone into some of those names, and they will need to start paying that back. Weaknesses are against the counter-attack, with the defence encouraged to hold quite a high line, uh, and in attack, breaking down a low defensive block, often held him back at Spurs, and continued to be a struggle at PSG too. This is probably the biggest concern I would have if I were a Chelsea fan as that's an area their squad have struggled with already for the past couple of seasons. In terms of personnel, who knows? A lot of players a bit past their sell-by date that need to be moved on and that clear-out is already well underway. Too many defenders and not enough goal scorers at the moment. It's not over the top to suggest Chelsea need to move out upwards of 20 players either on loan or through sales. Now Mendy, Aspilicueta, Koulibaly, Pulisic, Loftus-Cheek, Kante have already moved towards the exit door this summer. Kovacic and Havertz have also left, though I'd be reluctant to categorise them as Deadwood. James and Chilwell, as I've already mentioned, could be big winners under Pochettino. I won't say much more about them. And Kunku should solve the problem of a creative goal-scoring number 10 and will be an interesting player to value for our draft rankings. Depending on who else they bring in, Medeke would seem the most obvious right-wing option. 
with Sterling able to provide cover on either flank. Now, on the subject of Sterling, he's a player I hold in very low regard. I think he did an okay job in a very good system for years at City and was thoroughly found out last year with more reliance placed on him as an individual. I'm reasonably sure Pochettino will prefer other options to him in the long run. So as much as I hate to say it, I think Pochettino's time at Chelsea will be a successful one. There are simply too many resources available to him to fail, and I think the relative state of the club from last season provides the perfect platform for him to come in and just bring the good vibes again. Now, Aside from Liverpool on the opening day, Chelsea have a good run of fixtures into October, could build up some momentum before facing tougher opponents over the winter period. As mad as it sounds, considering their spending last year, there is still a decent amount of work to be done in the transfer market, which makes predicting their fortunes for next year virtually impossible at the moment. Too much draft day currency will be invested in their players regardless, which means gambles will have to be taken, as the option to sit back and wait will mean their assets are long gone from the wave pile by the time you want to move on the more certain performers. So let's move on to my club, Spurs, and the new manager is Ange Postikoglu. Hopefully an entertaining manager who has got to the Premier League the hard way. He's won league titles in three different countries and is mythologised as having created the most attractive periods of football wherever he goes. Of course, most recently has been north of the border with Celtic. Now, the obvious criticism here is that your Nan could win the SPL with Celtic. The dominance they've shown under his tenure is still impressive, even by their own high standards. Five out of six trophies won and more goals scored last season since before World War II. In terms of style, finally not a back five, not a back five. We've got a return to a back four will be a return to possession-based progressive front-foot football that Spurs fans have missed since the aforementioned Maurizio Pochettino. On paper, it usually appears like a 4-3-3 with the high width coming from the wingers rather than the fullbacks with creative number 8 slash 10s behind a central striker. Build-up occurs from the back and fullbacks midfielders have licence to progress up the pitch in order to provide outlets for the man on the ball. Now, Celtic were particularly adept at being able to break down low blocks, which they have often faced in the SPL, and this is an area Spurs have struggled with even since Pochettino, so it would be useful if he's bringing the keys to unlock some of those defences. Overall, I expect there to be reasonable overhaul in the squad this summer, though not to the level some Spurs fans expect, who often think real life is like playing football manager on your computer, we could even see some of the faces previously cast out back in the fold if suitable offers don't come in for them or if Ange thinks he can make them work. The likes of Lokelso and Dombele could be best fits in that sort of behind the striker number 8, number 10 role with the likes of Reguilon and Brian Hill possibly getting moves away. One of the big issues is transitioning the squad from what is largely a back three setup with wing backs to a back four with underlapping fullbacks. This means that new additions will have to be marked for particular roles in the system and will more than likely be required to come in and make a more or less instant impact on the 11. One new face is Destiny Adoji, who was signed last year but allowed to remain on loan at Udinese last season. He would seem to have the right skill set to take on the challenge at left-back in this system, while Emerson Royal could be the most obvious fit at right-back for now, despite a very different set of skills to Pedro Porro. As I'm tweaking these notes, I've got the preseason friendly on between Spurs and West Ham, and no sooner had I got to this part of my notes, Udoji flicks in a corner for an equalising goal, so definitely one who will be on manager's radars come draft day. 
Porro is another very interesting prospect. As I mentioned a second ago, a very different set of skills to Emerson Royale. And if he can be found to have a spot in this system, it will be very attacking and it will put his stock for draft day very high indeed. The main newcomer is Madsen. Perfect fit for this system. Will play every single game and will rightly be high on draft boards. Son and Kane won't need a huge amount of discussion should they both remain and we would expect their usual level of output again this year though naturally managers are getting slightly twitchy about taking Kane's sort of second or third on the draft boards because of the uncertainty about his future. My advice would be if you're drafting and he does drop to fourth or fifth it's an absolute no-brainer to pick him up. Elsewhere Kulusevski is another interesting prospect as he wouldn't necessarily suit the wide right role um, as his tendency is always to come inside. Instead he could be used as an inside attacking midfielder which then gives more flexibility to dribble wherever he wants to go and potentially opens the door for Porro to then sit to the right of him. The crux would be how good he is in the press but this is a relative unknown for most of our squad at the moment as there's been no real pressing ethos since Pochettino. Having watched the opening half of the first preseason friendly though, he was very much deployed in the wide right position, so another one to keep an eye on as the summer progresses. And then Manuel Solomon was also brought in on a free, but would only really become an option to scramble for if Son became injured. So one of the most common things you'll hear or read in any analysis of Postacoglu is that his teams tend to start slow while they are adapting to the instructions. So it may be risky loading up on too many of the fringe Spurs players on draft day, unless you're in particularly large leagues. The counter to that is that this Spurs squad probably has as much quality in it as any other squad he would have inherited, and so in theory should be able to get accustomed to his style quicker than others. The good news for him is that Spurs find themselves in as bad a spot as they have been for 15 years before Martin Yole broke out of mid-table mediocrity, so if ever there was a time for patience though, it's now. In terms of draft day, there's enough in the early fixtures to make the usual suspects as attractive as they are. It will be interesting to see how Kane is drafted, if there's still any chance he does leave. Certain individuals could gain some pre-season traction, but we'll learn more after a couple more of the pre-season friendlies have been played. Very high on that watch list is Pedro Porro, who could either find himself in very good territory or almost out of the frame completely. And then finally to Bournemouth, the new manager for them is Andoni Iriola, replacing Gary O'Neill. The main part of his managerial CV came at Rayo Vallecano, promoted from the Segunda Division in first season has guided them then to two mid-table finishes in the subsequent two years in La Liga. So a Spanish team with not too dissimilar a footprint to Bournemouth and he's helped guide them well above the relegation scrap. A bold call to drop uh, O'Neill. He steered them to safety, but when I look back at the results, my memory made them seem better than they were. So potentially a very good move rather than doing this come November time. Features of the style, a very high press. His team last year won possession in the final third more than any other club in the top five leagues in Europe. Combination of man-to-man and zonal marking. It's fast-paced, doesn't waste any opportunities to cross, uh, get the ball in the box, doesn't waste any opportunities to take shots on goal. Likes to get the ball from back to front very quickly. Doesn't mind the occasional long ball to get that done. Uh, and the setup on paper is usually somewhere between a 4-2-3-1 and a 4-4-2. Personnel-wise, Senesi would seem a very good option at centre-back with his long-range passing. I expect Zabani to become first-choice partner alongside him, though he's not really well-known for his passing abilities, more than his ability to defend, which may create quite a nice balance between them. 
Up top, Solanke should be a no-brainer. Out wide, um, Django Uatara could really come into his own and build on the already good numbers he put up last season since entering the Premier League. I would be shocked if Billing has as good a season as he did last year in terms of output and his lack of mobility may become an issue in this system. Elsewhere, the issues with player quality remain the same and Iriola will have to exert some pressure to turn coal into diamonds. Towards the end of last year, Vigneault was getting plenty of joy from the left-back spot. His loan has now ended and that's the position they've addressed early in the summer by signing young Hungarian option Milos Kerkes from AZ Alkmaar. Now it's crazy the pull the Premier League has um, when Kerkes was on the verge of signing for Lazio, who will be playing Champions League football next year, and he's opted to join the Cherries instead. I expect he'll very much be first choice, and a home game to West Ham in game week one means there is the option for a late round draft pickup if you fancy having a stab at him. Overall, a big gamble sacking O'Neill in the summer, but they clearly think there is room to put themselves a step above the relegation scrap. I'm just not sure there is enough quality in the squad to make it a success and limited funds to change that drastically. But the steps they've made already this summer all feel positive. Bournemouth do not have the easiest opening run of games and I'd argue they don't face any likely relegation scrappers until October. It feels like a setup that could implode against well-organised opposition while they're finding their feet, but at least the season opener at home to West Ham should provide a decent opportunity for them to put their pre-season drills into practice. For draft day and draft day in particular, I don't think this changes much. Solanke remains an okay forward option. Neto will be picked up in most decent-sized leagues. And the only other players that could get a sniff are Uitaro, Billing, or the aforementioned Kerkes as a round 14 or 15 pickup as a short-term game with one option only. The only other footnote I've put in this episode is the situation at Crystal Palace. Though that has now been cleared up, Roy Hodgson will be there for another year. Evidently means they didn't fancy any other candidates that were about. The situation does seem bizarre as the squad should be aiming for a lot higher than they have been in the last couple of years. And while Hodgson provides stability, it's hard to see them making massive strides next season. And they may only have one more year of the likes of Eze and Elise before big clubs really come sniffing around. We all know what we can and can't expect from them so I'm not going to go into any more detail. So that's it for this episode. If you haven't already checked out the earlier ones this week, there's a rundown, a club-by-club rundown on the newly promoted side, so go and check those out if you want to get up to speed on where you might stand with those clubs on draft day. Coming up next in the schedule, we're going to get into some some draft day strategy stuff. Um, some generic, some very in-depth, so there'll be something there for everyone, whether you're a new player or a seasoned veteran. If you do like these podcasts and you like what we do, subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to so you don't miss out on any of those future ones as they drop. And again, whether you're an old player or new, I would encourage you to head over to draftfc.co.uk and check out what we have on offer there. Particularly at this time of year, the most useful part is that draft day planner where you'll be able to see our own rankings and you'll also be able to see rankings pulled from every single draft occurring around the world, put into one lovely table so you can see every player's average draft position based on how every other manager in the world is thinking. For signed up members, there will also be a bonus companion podcast where I talk through most of my picks there that you won't be able to find on the standard podcast feed. If you're on Twitter, give us a follow at draft underscore FC. This is probably the easiest place to keep up to date with all the happenings over here at Draft FC and the easiest place to drop us a message should you need to. 
So I hope you've all at least made a start on your own draft rankings. Draft days will soon be upon us all. And until next time, stay shook. Sure.